Everything was going just as, as he had planned, which was great because he was a planner. He, he had envisioned how his life was going to turn out and, and the direction of his life and everything was falling into place just as he, as he had envisioned as a young man. Uh, same, same for his wife. His wife had her dream job as a graduate of Ohio State University. She now was working as an administrative assistant for the college and, and she was loving life. Everything was going just like they had envisioned, just like they had, had planned. Uh, uh, Bob owned a, uh, contracting, uh, company outside of, of, uh, Columbus, Ohio in the town of Dublin and, and, and work was booming. He was doing well financially. He was doing well. In fact, so well that he was able to build his dream home for his family. His kids were doing it. He had three sons and they were, they were all excelling in, in academics, in athletics, uh, as well as socially in their their community, everything was just like he wanted. You, you couldn't have asked for a better life. Then everything changed. His name was John, and everything was going just like he had planned. As a young man, he had felt God's call on his life, uh, and, and that call eventually led him to Bible college to train for the ministry, doing what God had called him to do, and he was loving Every minute of it. He was pastoring a congregation in the South and was, was fulfilled and, and found it very rewarding, uh, challenging, but very rewarding. He assumed that he would be doing this for the rest of his life. It was right where God wanted him to be. It's right where he felt comfortable. It's right where, where, where he wanted to be. And, and it was great. Then everything changed. His name was Raphael. And everything was going just like he had planned. Newly retired from years of driving, uh, uh, from years of being behind the wheel of a gas truck and then, then several years in the office of that same company, he was looking forward to the next chapter in his life. Although Raphael wasn't raised in the, the church, he'd come to Christ later in this life, God had got a hold of his heart years before, uh, because of the faithful prayers of a godly wife. He had resisted that 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 call in fact living a very hard life finding uh finding his fulfillment in uh in activities like baseball loved baseball and loved playing and then later on coaching even coaching a, a city team that that won championships and and filling his time with meeting and hanging out with his friends at the bar but but somehow God got a hold of that heart and he changed instantly he started studying scripture and then moved into leadership in his church and and even occasionally when they needed so fill filled the pulpit of the church. He had envisioned, as he reached his retirement years, being a little more active in the church with the extra time that he would have. And then everything changed. His name was Nehemiah. And everything was going just how he had planned. Okay, we'll see this morning, maybe not exactly how he had planned, but still was pretty good. His job was... An important one, it came with many perks. He found himself respected and loved in the presence of powerful people. He felt himself pretty lucky to be where he was and really had no intentions of going anywhere else. Why Why would he? And what would he do differently anyway? No, everything was going just as he had planned. Then everything changed. This morning we're going to start a four-week series uh, entitled Beginning a Good Work. We're going to be looking at the the work and the life of a man of God who who had his life changed, had his wife 
turned life turned upside down. We're going to be looking at the life of Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I challenge you to find Nehemiah in your Bibles. That's your, your first challenge today. So if you struggle with it, find Psalms and then turn left. So go back towards the beginning. Go back to, to, to the, to, uh, towards Genesis from Psalms, just a couple books. You'll find Nehemiah, just a small book there. But we're, we're going to look at, at, at a, at the book of Nehemiah over the next few weeks and see this man that God used to, to make a difference in his world and see how that can apply to us. Now, now let me, as we get started out here this morning, uh, give you just a quick, uh, a quick lesson. Let, let, let's first of all read just a few verses. Uh, if you found Nehemiah, look in chapter one. We're going to actually look through most of chapter one into chapter two this morning. But chapter one, starting with the first verse, it says, now the words of Nehemiah, son of, of Hakaliah, in the month of Kizav, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Haniah, my brother, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now let me give you just a quick, uh, a quick, and this is going to be quick, uh, history lesson. Uh, the, the nation of Israel had, had clamored for a king, so God gave them a, a, a king. King Saul being the very first, then David, then Solomon, then on and on. And, and over a period of time, the, the, the nation of Israel had split into two king, kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was called Israel, the southern kingdom that, that was called Judah. In 722, because of their their great uh, their great evilness and their continual turning away from God, the northern kingdom was taken into captivity. And then later on, in 586 BC, the southern kingdom was taken captive into Babylonia. And we see, if you want to look, I'm going to take the time to read today. But in Second Chronicles chapter 36, at, six, at the end of the chapter. You see what God had done there, that he had let them be taken into captivity. And it says there that the, the walls were broken down and the, 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 the gates were burned with fire and everything was destroyed. We see in the history of Israel that exiles had returned then in 538 B.C. to Jerusalem under Zerubbabel and then a little bit later in 458 B.C. under Ezra, they, they went back and rebuilt the temple uh, and then we find Nehemiah here in the book of Nehemiah in 433 B.C. And we see God calling Nehemiah to a good work. I want to state here this morning, we'll look on it again, we'll talk about it again, that, that my goal from this series, the one thing that we want to catch out of this series, series is that God always calls his, be, his people. He always calls his people both corporately, that is as a church and individually, to do a good work. My hope is that as we look at the lesson that Nehemiah teaches us, we can apply them to our life as he calls us to begin to look at a good work. So let's look this morning as we start just at the start of what Nehemiah did to begin this good work. The first thing we see, if you're following along in in the, the notes in your bulletin, the first thing we see is that Nehemiah had passion. If you will, look with me again in verse 2. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. 
And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. And if you go over to verse 4, it says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. I wept and for some days he fasted and he prayed about what God would do. Every good work starts with passion. Something inside us wells up. Something, something inside us moves us. It be, it begins with a dream, a hope, a burning desire that something will happen, that, that there'll be a change that will make a difference, that life will be better for someone, that will somehow meet a need. It starts with a passion. What, what is your passion? See, your life might be going well, just like you planned. Maybe you're happy and fulfilled, but if you don't have a passion, to make a change, to bless someone, to fill a need, you will never do a good work. Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a passion, a passion that started for his people. Nehemiah was one of the exiles, or his family was one of the exiles that had been taken from Judah, from, from Jerusalem, uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar to, to, to the king of the Babylonians. And, and, and he, he was away, and his passion was for the people. And it started, as I read there in verse two, when, when a remnant came back and it says that his brother, now, now we don't know if that was his biological brother or if he just kind of meant it generically like a, a, a brother in, in the faith, a brother in, in, in the remnant, but, but his brother, and some believe it was literally his biological brother came back and, and we notice that Nehemiah does something. He asked a question. He asked, how are the remnants doing? Now, now when he did this, when he did this, he opened himself up to be a, uh, opened himself up to passion. He opened himself up to having passion about the situation. Now, Nehemiah could have just chosen to talk to his brother about his life. He could have said to his brother, well, well, things are going well for me. I'm the cupbearer of the king and, and life is going well. I'm, I'm, I'm in a powerful position and, and I'm well fed and my family's being taken care of and everything's going well with me. But we see Nehemiah takes his eyes off himself and places them on, on his people. And he says, how are my people doing? How are my people doing? Don't ask, don't ask the question. Don't ask a question if you're not prepared to have passion. Don't ask, how, how can I help? But what can I do? Do you need me? Or what is there more for me to do? Don't ask the question if you're not ready to be moved by passion like Nehemiah was. See, Bob's life was going just like he had planned. That was until he asked. See, see, Bob had found himself in Jamaica on a mission trip. His church supported a, a missionary there by the name of, uh, a guy by the name of Harvey Backus. And, and when, when, uh, Bob met Harvey for the very first time, they, they hit it off immediately. Bob was impressed by Harvey's commitment to the, the to the island, to the people there, his, his, his desire to serve and empty himself. Uh, Harvey was impressed by Bob's, Bob's ability to, to get some work done and, by Bob's passion to be there. And, and, and so th- they started a friendship. And, and several years later, after several mission trips to Jamaica, Bob made a mistake. Uh, as one trip was coming to an end, he, he looked at Harvey and he said, Harvey, Harvey, what can I do? What more can I do? The answer that came back wasn't the one he was expecting. He was expecting Brother Bacchus to say, we call him Brother Bacchus because he was a, a, a professor at Ozark later on in his life. And, he taught Rita the book of Acts, uh, and I had a, huh? He didn't, what, what'd you have? Oh, that's right, you had a, a word. Did you have Brother Bacchus for anything? She just doesn't remember what, 
You should have gone with, with Acts. But, but we know that Brother Bacchus as a professor. And Brother Bacchus looked at him and, and, and what, what Bob was expecting him to say, well, well, instead of coming once a year, why don't you come twice? Or maybe he was expecting to say, well, Bob, you, you're a great organizer. Why don't you organize more groups? Or, or, or Bob, you, you, you have people that you know that have money. Why don't you organize them to donate more money? Or, or Bob, I've got this project up in the mountains of Jamaica where we need to build a new church. Bob, won't you take that on as your, as your main job? You'll, you'll go up and you'll build that church. That's what Bob expected him to say. But instead he said, Bob, why don't you move here? Bob, why don't you move here? That's not what he was expecting to hear. Not what he was expecting to hear. And yet God, God began to put a passion in Bob's heart. And so even though two of his sons were still in high school, his oldest one had graduated, he, he quit his job, sold his business. His wife quit her, her job, uh, her dream job at the university, and they moved their family to Jamaica and became missionaries for the people there. It starts with a passion. It starts with a passion. Nehemiah had a passion for his people, but but with each passion there there comes a passion for a project. See, see, we we may miss this. It may not mean a whole lot to us, but it, it says there that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. We can read that and just kind of kind of go on, but but what that meant to Nehemiah was that the the city of Jerusalem, the holy city of God, which represented the nation of Israel, that represented God's very presence. What was in disarray and and was hurting and was struggling. The city city's walls have been torn down. The gates have burned burnt have been burnt with fire. And and he realized that that they were struggling, that they were hurting, and and so he had a passion first for the people, and then for the project. For the people. And then for the project. See, we have to have, as we move forward as a church or as we move forward as people, if we want to do a good work, it starts with passion. Passion for people and passion for what needs to be done in their life. And the, the second thing that we see happen in this text is, is found in verses 5 through 11. Uh, and it simply is this, there, were, there, there was passion, but then there was a prayer. Oh Lord, uh, starting with verse 5, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commandments. I'm going to stop there just for the sake of time. You can read, read on a little bit later about that. But he began to, to pray. He began to pray about his role. Notice that there's three components to that prayer. Here's the first component. The first component is he recognizes God. He says, Oh Lord, God of heaven is the first thing that he recognizes, if we want to begin a good work as a church or individuals, it starts with a prayer that says simply this, God, you are God. For, uh, I don't know, it's five or six years, I, uh, I went every January to a convention in Southern California. It was hosted by Robert Schuller. Uh, some of you might have seen Robert Schuller on Television. Someone here recently said that they watch his son, uh, uh, Robert Jr., I believe, uh, that, that still has a, rate, uh, a TV program. But Robert Jr. had the Crystal Cathedral. Some of you might remember that in, in Southern California. Now, now I'll point out, I'm not a Robert Schuler fan. I never really enjoyed watching him. 
Uh, it, actually, after the first year, he spoke every year, and it was the same same spiel every year. So I always skipped that session uh, after I heard it one time. I wasn't a big Robert Schuler uh, fan, but but he always brought the brought some name name brand guys into speak at his convention at a great convention, and it was Southern California in January. So. Uh, and, and Rita's mom lived there, so I got to stay with her for free. So, so I went for about five years every, uh, in, in a row to this convention, maybe a little bit more of that. Uh, and, and one thing I, I, I noticed after hearing the story of Robert Schuler is I believe that early in his ministry that he heard the call of God to do something big, that God called him to a good work and, and he listened. And, and I really think his ministry exploded because, because he did what God had called him to do. But the last, Couple of years that I went to this convention, Schuler began to talk about building this big, this big building. To do so, they were going to have to raise millions and millions of dollars so they could buy a bunch of these houses that bordered the the, the surrounding the, their campus, and and they were going to build this huge building. I don't I don't remember what the name was. It was something like the Robert Schuler Institute for Preaching or something like that. But you know what it really was? I ended up seeing it built. You know what it was? It was a shrine to Robert Schuler. You could go through it and and and. And an interactive story of him. You could listen to tapes and, and watch videos of, of, of his ministry throughout the years. And it really was a shrine. I, I think that was the, the beginning of the end of the Crystal Cathedral and Robert Schuler's ministry. You, you want to know why? Because I think he forgot that God was God. I think he forgot that God was God. Nehemiah, when he starts this prayer, he's, he's moved with a passion for his people, and he's moved with a passion for a project to build the walls and 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 restore the the, the gates uh, to to the city. And so he prayed, and it started with with understanding and recognizing who God was. Uh, I, I won't I won't take time to go there, but the next thing we can see that that he offered repentance. He he realized the sin of uh, of his people. He realized the past sin of his his relatives and himself, and confessed that sin. And then he sought restoration. He sought restoration. If you have your Bibles, look with me in verses uh, in uh, verses eight and nine. It says there, "Remember the instruction you gave your servants, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations.'" That's what had happened. The, the the people of Israel, the people of Judah, had been unfaithful, and God had scattered them. But if you return to me and obey my commands, that even if you if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to this place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He says there that I will have restoration. At the center of this prayer, at the center of every good work that God calls us to, is restoration. Nehemiah Nehemiah was seeking to restore Jerusalem. See, See, no city had any respect. No city had any strength, no city had any power if they didn't have walls and, and the gates. They, they were a laughing stock until the walls were built and, and the gates were set uh, in place. And, and, and his goal was to restore walls and, and, and restore the city. In essence, was to restore the nation. Every good work must have at its center the goal of restoration. So, so whether it's a church or individuals, God will always call us to restoration. Restoration of souls, restoration of situations, restoration of sections of people. John, John was happy with where life was going. 
he was leading his local church there in, in, in the south and, and, and everything was going just like he had planned. The church was growing. He was, he was, was excited about ministry and, and then his church took a trip to inner city Atlanta. They went there with a, another group and they, they spent a week working with the, the marginalized in the inner city, the, the least of them, the, the homeless, the broken, the lost, the hurting. And while he was there, there was a passion that welled up in his heart and a prayer that invaded his lips. God, what can I do? God, what can I do? About six months later, Bob Vernon left his church, submitted his resignation, moved his family to inner city Atlanta, founded a ministry called Jesus Place and began working on restoring people, restoring their lives, restoring their families, restoring their faith. So there, there, there was a passion. Nehemiah was moved with passion for the people and for the project. There, there was a prayer. And, and then we see there was a perspective. I, I like this, there's a perspective. Look with me in chapter 11, or chapter 1, Verse uh, 11, just the last verse of the, the text there. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant, he's talking about himself there, success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's already talking about, Lord, give me, give me success as I go to the king. And then he says this. He describes himself. He says simply, I was cupbearer to the king. See, that was Nehemiah's job. He was the cupbearer. He would bring the wine into the king and, and he would taste the wine to make sure that no one had, had poisoned the wine. That was, that was his job to make sure that was ready to go to the king. That was, that was what he was doing. Notice on in, in chapter two, it says, in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to, for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? When you are not ill, this is nothing but the, but sadness of heart. I, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruin and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, What is it that you want? What is it that you want? First of all, the, the first perspective that we see that Nehemiah has here and this is a perspective that most of us have. It's a, I'll be honest, it's a perspective that I fight in my life uh, all the time. His first perspective was, I'm powerless. And I think that's why he says there, I was cupbearer to the king. His first reaction, his first thought was, man, I've got to do something, but I'm just a cupbearer. I, I, I take wine to the king. What can I do? I'm just a cupbearer. See, I think oftentimes we look at ourselves and we think we're powerless. I think that's what Nehemiah's first reaction was. I'm, I'm powerless. I'm just a cup pair. But then he realized that he'll provide. He'll provide. And he realized I'm just in the right place. Cause, cause that's part of what he was saying there too when he said I'm the cup bearer to the king. Something needs to be done. The project needs to be finished. The walls need to be built. And I walk into the king's palace every day. I walk up to the king and hand him his wine every day. 
I'm the cupbearer of the king. I want you to notice uh, in verse 4, the king said to me, what, what is it you want? Now, now notice what Nehemiah says there. He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. The king says, what do you want? Nehemiah's already got the project in mind. He's already, already figured out what he's going to do. He knows what has to happen. I've got to, I've got to go back to Jerusalem. I've got to lead this project. We'll talk more about that next week. I, I, this is what I have to do. But before he spoke, he said, I prayed to God. And then I answered. And, and, and what he asked for, you can read there the text, what he goes on to say. He, he asked if, if he could go back and, and then he was a little bit more bold. He says, hey, can you give me letters? So, so when I go back, I can, hand these letters to people and they'll, they'll give me the things that I need and, and, and give me the, 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 the authority that I need. Uh, he had a boldness that was, that was unreal. He realized that God would provide that he was in, in, in just the right place. Raphael loved where he was at. He, he was right where he wanted to be, newly retired, excited uh, excited about being able to work more at the church and, and give a little more time to, to the ministry at the church there in, uh, in Juarez, the Galeana church. He, he was excited that, 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 that he could have that time and excited to have time at home with his wife Rosa. He was excited where God was leading him and then everything changed. He didn't know where it came from, but God put a call on his heart. And God led him to a, a, a little strip of desert out on the northwest side of, of, uh, of Juarez. And he placed on his heart the desire to go out and make a difference. And, and so it's instead of spending time in his retirement relaxing, Raphael spent every day out in Anaphora. He started the ministry there with a pickup truck and a couple barrels in the back of his truck. Uh, see, those of you that have been to, to Napa before wouldn't recognize it from, from those, those days. But, but when he first started going there years ago, some 20 years ago, th- there was no running water. If you wanted water, you had to rely on a truck that would drive around and sell you water and they would, would fill the barrels that you kept by the, the road, uh, so that you could dip the water out to drink and dip the water out to bathe and for other, whatever you needed. So, so Raphael saw this, this opportunity. So he began to, to fill the water barrels at home and then drive out to Napa and just walk up to people. Do you want me to fill your barrels? And how much? Nothing. And so every day of his retirement, he was filling water barrels and filling water barrels and filling water barrels and telling them about Jesus. Telling them about Jesus. Finally, we see in, in chapter 2, verse 18, if you want to read the rest of chapter 2, you kind of see how he gets there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But chapter 2, verse 18, he says, after, after going to the city and after gathering the remnants together, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. See, you have to start. Every good work starts with a plan. And the plan is often as simple as you got to start. You got to do something. God, God is going to call us as a church, and God is going to speak to you as an individual, and He has good works planned for you to do. You, you have to have passion. 
you certainly have to bathe it in prayer. You have to have a right perspective that God is God. And you have to have a plan. God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. My prayer is this morning that God will call you to good works. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning that we are your representatives and that you've called us just like Nehemiah and just like Raphael Bersiaga and John Vernon and Bob Muter. You've called us to good works. Father, may our eyes be open and our ears attentive to the call you've placed on our hearts. Father, give us passion as we pray to you. Father, give us the perspective that we need. And Lord, lead us to a plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?